0: 1 Peter chapter 4, 4. the relevance of this passage of Scripture for our present time fills my heart with great comfort and encouragement and hope because it's not as though any word of God would not be fitting for any time. But it's when the Lord leads us to that specific passage of Scripture, which is meat for our present condition and situation and circumstances that brings us the greatest blessings. He leadeth me beside still waters, but He maketh me to lie down in green pastures of His Word. So it's not that there's anything in God's Word that would not be fitting for any time, but it's being able to find or be able by God's grace to be able to have the Scripture before us that is relevant for our present situation. And for me personally, in my own personal life, there could be no more Scripture, more relevant than this passage of Scripture in chapter 4 concerning our fiery trials and reproaches for Christ and suffering as a Christian and God's hand leading and guiding us in all of these things. And yet, let me begin this morning, as we prepare to read this passage of Scripture, I want to assure you this morning, as I've done before, but I wish to do it again, that I'm not speaking this morning as one who has fully apprehended this divine and blessed truth found in First Peter chapter 4, but as one God willing to know them for, more fully in God's own time. I'm not asking for reproaches and sufferings and fiery trials. I'm trusting in God's grace that if He so divinely ordains it to be so, that He would enable me to embrace these truths. Because that is the hope of every single believer in times of trial is the Word of God. is finding refuge in the Word of God. In God I will praise His Word, the psalmist says. So it is my hope that if God providentially sovereignly deems it necessary for you and I to meet fiery trials and reproaches and sufferings as a Christian that First Peter would be able to be a comfort for our hearts and our souls in the midst of all those things. For I know that though I've seen many trials and felt many reproaches over the past 40 years as a Christian, I realize also many others have suffered much more than I have or Ever will. Some are even suffering at this very moment in parts of the world that are very devastating. Their trials are very fiery, and their persecutions and reproaches for some of them, if not many of them, means death itself. I pray for them. I pray God grant them much grace and mercy. The church of God was birthed in blood, it exists. And thrives in blood. Especially the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no greater experience for a child of God than to suffer for the things of God. For we could never match the sufferings He did and gave for us on Calvary. Anything coming from Christ, even the greatest of sufferings, is grounds for the greatest rejoicing if we're a child of God. My greatest desire in preaching the Word of God every Sunday, but especially in every sermon, is that you might see Christ and learn of Him. That you might hear, like we spoke of in John 10 earlier, that you might hear the voice of your Great Shepherd and follow Him wheresoever He might lead each and every one of us. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. So I take a lot of comfort in Isaiah 50 and the prophet said, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of His servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Amazing. Listen to this. Who walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Isaiah 50.10 Sounds much like Peter. First Peter chapter 4 in verse 14. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. The world looks at that and says that's morbid. That's strange. That's odd. And the Christian says, no, I'm I'm blessed. Not simply for the reproaches, but reproach for the name of Christ. Do you know how much I love him? Do you know how much I adore him? Do you know how much I owe him so to be reproached for him, for his name's sake? It's great grounds of happiness and blessedness for a child of God. For if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Why? For the Spirit of glory and of God. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to me. That is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. He dwells on you. He refreshes you. On their part is evil spoken of, but on your part... He is glorified. Beloved, let us not like so many read these words of the Apostle Peter without much prayer and self-examination. For many vainly believe that a mere study of these words makes them wise or experts concerning the divine truths which they hold. For the fiery trials and the reproaches for the name of Christ like that of faith, Paul said, In Philippians 1.29, are given unto us, are given unto us, faith and sufferings for Christ are given unto us, it's a gift, given unto us in the behalf of Christ. Again, it focuses on Christ, behalf of Christ. I kind of emphasize that everything Peter is saying in this text revolves around us knowing Christ and being intimate with Christ, our oneness and unity with Christ. It's all about Christ, and Christ makes all things lovely and wonderful and beautiful and glorious. It's given unto us. It's not forced upon us like a vaccine attempted to be. It's given unto us, and it's in the behalf of Christ. The fiery trials which are to try us, try us, not consume us, not destroy us, but try us. The latter part of this chapter talks about God consuming the ungodly and the sinners, yet trials don't consume the believer, they, they help us, they benefit us. The fiery trials which are to try us are made grounds for rejoicing. Peter says, in as they allow us to be something <laughs> wonderful and glorious, partakers, partakers of Christ's sufferings." Let me, let me, let me try to define this. It's in, infinitely too small to the comparison, but let me try, if I may. One of the hardest things for a parent is to see your child suffer. Oh, how you wish you could take that upon yourself. Do you want to be part of it? you want to take it? When we know something of the sufferings of Christ, to be partakers of that, we wish to share in that with our Savior. We embrace it. Therefore we rejoice partakers of Christ, of my Savior's suffering, what a blessed state to be in. The reproaches for the name of Christ or the cause of Christ, Peter says are blessed or happy occasions. Why? Because the Spirit of glory and of God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy which is not spoken enough of these days. But the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God rests upon us. He refreshes us. He gives us rest in those reproaches. Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing gives a believer more blessed rest than the presence and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm telling you, we speak too less of that third person. But reproaches enable us to understand and experience the Holy Spirit of God rest upon us. And suffering as a Christian makes us not ashamed, but enables us to do something which is our chiefest end. To glorify God on their behalf. On whose behalf? On the behalf of sufferings. Our sufferings enable us to glorify God in their behalf and beloved there is no true Christian that ever existed that ever lived that did not desire to glorify God above all things that is the first and foremost desire every true Christian longs for from the very second the Holy Spirit converts our souls we're given this desire to glorify God and if sufferings as a Christian glorifies God then God we count our sufferings to be but blessed. All these glorious blessings through sufferings and afflictions, listen to me, Christ has secured for us and is taking them all upon Himself. Let me say that again. Every single suffering, every single affliction, every single fiery trial, every reproach, everything we go through, suffering, suffering, for afflictions, for the cause, for the name of Christ. Christ has secured blessings for us, and He took all of them on Himself. Thus like that song, how firm a foundation. Sanctifying to us our deepest distress. Have you ever thought about that? Let me find that psalm here. Went through deep waters, I call you to go. The rivers of sorrow, he doesn't say they're not sorrowful. The rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. Every affliction and trial for the name and cause of Christ is sanctified because Christ first took them all upon himself and he's made them a blessing like the tomb is now no more a a gloomy thing, but a blessed thing. So Christ, because He suffered in our state, has made every affliction, every trial, every suffering, He's sanctified it. He's blessed it. There's no fiery trial. There's no reproach. There's no affliction. There's no suffering, no loss that Christ has not sanctified blessed or consecrated for every true believer. In Him taking those things upon Himself, He's made them blessings and not curses. In Him all the bitter waters of suffering and affliction are made sweet. Oh, I pray the Holy Spirit of God would help us to learn that spiritual lesson. Everything we suffer for Christ, is blessed by Him taking it all upon Himself. He sanctified to us our deepest distress. What blessings we have in that. Is it any wonder when you read like the history of the Christians or the church or the Fox's Book of Martyrs Martyrs in the last days when they were suffering severely, how so many Christians were filled with exceeding joy and excitement and love and adoration? Because the Spirit of God rested upon them, refreshing their souls, tranquility of souls, giving them hope. And that's what Peter is explaining to us here. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Happy or blessed. I'll get in that in a few minutes, but this word happy is the same one the Lord uses in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. And that word blessed means to be envied for your happiness. So Peter is saying you should be envied for your happiness because you're being reproached for the name of Christ. How unfamiliar and strange must this spiritual state of many professing believers be today who know nothing of this happiness, of this blessedness. And yet let us not underestimate the sorrow and pain which accompanies such fiery trials and reproaches for Christ's name. Peter is not trying to say fiery trials and reproaches and suffering as a Christian is an easy thing. Heaven is taken by storm, our Lord said, straight and narrow is the way. Peter's not trying to belittle these things. He's not trying to say that fiery trials and reproaches and suffering as a Christian are easy things to bear. For even Christ Himself suffered under such things that He might sanctify these distresses to us. Look over in Psalm 69. I know it's David speaking, but he's speaking also in reference to Christ. Psalm 69. I want you to hear the words of Christ in this so that you might understand that Christ does have a feeling of our infirmities. And knowing that reassures our hearts. Look, we're in Psalm 69, verse 16. Psalm 69, verse 16. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. And hide not thy face from thy servant. For I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart. And I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none And for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You see, it's in reference to Christ's sufferings. He said, Reproaches have broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I looked for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. He suffered the greatest reproach on Calvary so that He might sanctify every reproach for us. He suffered it in the severest that we might find rejoicing in ours. (laughs) What a miracle. What a work of grace Christ works in His children. Do you understand now why Christ loved Him so undesired, so, so wonderfully, so supremely? He does know our infirmities. He has felt such things without sin. And because He can, we can reproach. Because His heart broke was broken because of reproaches, we can rejoice. Because He was full of heaviness, we can be refreshed by the Spirit. Because He looked for some that took pity and they took none, our Christ takes pity on us. He looked for comforters and He found none. But we have the greatest comforter in our reproaches of all, the comforter, and namely the Holy Spirit of God. I believe that's why in this verse and for comforters but I found none in Peter he says but the Holy the Spirit of God the Spirit of glory and God resteth upon you that's the great comforter according to John you see what Christ has given us you see why these things Peter speaks about should be grounds of rejoicing and happiness and glorifying God the world looks at that and does not comprehend it because they know not Christ They know not the voice of our Good Shepherd, but we do. Paul said in Romans 15.3, For even Christ pleased not Himself. Listen to this. O to be like the blessed Redeemer. For even Christ pleased not Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. All the reproaches sinful man had towards God fell on Christ. Can you imagine the weight of those reproaches sinful man hates God like the old Puritan said if sinful man could he'd climb up into heaven and kill God the depraved heart hates God And Christ said, all the reproaches that mankind ever had against God from time throughout all time and eternity, Christ said, all those reproaches fell upon me. I took them upon me. All the reproaches they put against you fell upon me. And if we're going to have the same spirit and mind of Christ, then the reproaches that fall upon the name of Christ, when they fall upon us, we too should rejoice because of those blessings. Though we could never know nor suffer the level of reproaches which fell on Christ, when, beloved, we suffer reproach for His name's sake, we truly share in His sufferings, for which Peter says we are happy and blessed. Blessed to be envied for your happiness. If, again if, you've reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Envied for your happiness. Why should we be happy? (laughs) Because there's a special manifestation of the Spirit of God because of reproaches that is uncommon to the normal working of the Spirit. Listen to me. We all at salvation received as much of the Holy Spirit as we're ever going to receive. I don't care what the Charismatics tell you. We've received all the Holy Spirit. We're going to be received. Some of us are unaware of the fullness of it, but we received all the Spirit. The Spirit of God dwelleth in us until the day of redemption. We'll always have the Spirit of God dwelling in us. But when we're approached for the name of Christ, Peter declares there's a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God that refreshes us in a manner like none other. Like none other. The grounds or divine cause of such happiness is because the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. This is the most amazing and glorious state of happiness. It's unusual. It's uncommon. And one which turns all reproaches for the name of Christ into the richest blessings. Blessings. And beloved, believe me, in these days that we're facing now, reproaches for the name of Christ are going to multiply. That's why I believe with all my heart, the Holy Spirit leading Peter said, if ye be reproached, reproaches for the name of Christ are coming upon the church and many professing believers are running and hiding. Why not? Because they're hearing the voice of strangers and not of Christ. I'm telling you, that's what Peter's getting to at the end of this text, at the end of this passage. If the righteous are scarcely saved, judgment must begin at the house of God. He's gonna he's going to come in and he's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the wheats from the tares, and those that hear the voice of Christ will follow Christ. And those that do not will follow a stranger. Oh, maybe hear the voice of Christ. Look in Matthew chapter 5. We've read this before. We'll read it again. Matthew chapter 5. Sermon on the Mount. Part of that blessedness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are ye to be envied for your happiness. Happiness, if you look in the concordance, same word used Peter. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. That means taunt you. Reproach you. Now look what they're doing. They're reviling you. And persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Not for yours, but for mine. They're doing this because you're following me. You're. He said you're blessed if they do that. You say... Preacher, doesn't feel very good when people taunt me and reproach me. It doesn't feel good when people persecute me. It's not doesn't feel good when they say all manner of evil against me. Why would they say manner of evil? I'm trying to live good. I'm trying to follow Christ. No, they call it evil. This is the depravity of man. Like we said before about all the reproaches that fell upon Christ, believe me, in these days we're facing today, the depravity of man is... <laughs> being seen more clearly and clearly in the world. It's going to increase. So the reviling and the persecution and the evil speaking against us is going to increase for His sake. And it's a slow progress. Follow me on this statement. It's a slow progress. Some people see the events going on in the world today as simply not having anything to do with Christianity. We need as Christians to wake up and realize that these seemingly small events are leading up to a larger one. They're leading up to a larger one. Don't follow the voice of a stranger. Follow the voice of Christ. He said, oh, the preacher, all these laws and everything mandates for vaccines have nothing to do with christianity oh yes they do very much so the depravity of man is greatly increasing throughout the world and in america with the legalizing of gays and homosexuals and lesbians and the killing of babies and abortions and the all the laws, they're changing and taking the word of God out of school and denying. The law. Let me tell you something, these are all things leading up to something bigger and greater. Let me tell you, be prepared because it's, it's here. It's not coming. It's here. it It's upon us. But the Lord said, blessed are ye if they do that. Verse 12, here's that word again. Rejoice. But look at the difference here. And be exceeding glad. That's what we should be of. Rejoice and exceeding glad. That's that's very happy, don't you think? Rejoice and not just glad, but exceeding glad. I mean, that's almost like a yippee. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. We're not alone. We're not. Oh, poor me, I'm suffering like no, no, you're not. You're, you're not. For great is your reward in heaven. Our Lord says here says in heaven. That's the reason for our rejoicing and being exceeding glad. That's in heaven. But Peter declares a present blessing, which reproaches for the name of Christ brings. He says, namely the resting of the Spirit of glory and God, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you present, resteth upon you. Peter's speaking about something present. The word rest in First Peter four, he said, resting upon you. That word, that saint, that word rest is the same word Christ uses Matthew eleven twenty eight. You know that verse? Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. It's the same meaning. May me ask you a question? What kind of rest, <laughs> spiritual rest? <laughs> we should all be rejoicing in our hearts right now, just contemplating the thought. But what? What, what, was, what was it like to, to know the spiritual rest at salvation when Christ, we knew Christ had removed our sin and our guilt and we were now reconciled to God? There's no rest to the wicked, but oh, the rest that came in our salvation. Oh, beloved, you all know exactly what I'm talking about, the rest and the peace with God. Peter uses that same word when he says about the Spirit of glory in God resting upon you presently. It's a peace of conscience. Isn't that what we experienced? I don't know about you, but I remember... I remember when I realized I saved, I can't tell you the minute of the day, but I'm telling you, man, my conscience was at peace. I mean, the conviction and guilt was gone. This is something religion of itself cannot never do. But Christ is the only one when the Spirit of God gives us that new heart and reborns us and and we're converted and we're regenerated. The conscience is at peace with God. So Peter's saying when you're approached, you're happy because the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. It gives you peace of conscience. Now follow my thought because later on he says, on their part he's evil spoken of. They're speaking evil of the Holy Spirit. They always will. But on your part, he's glorified. So it's peace of conscience. It rests upon you. Peace of conscience. It's ease of mind. tranquility of soul okay three Hebrew children if you'll just bow down and worship our idols and dance to our music just do that and you'll be okay no our God shall deliver us he's able but even if he don't tranquility You can tell when someone is truly suffering reproaches for Christ because they do not seek to revile, get angry, combative, argumentative. You, you following me? Christ was led, led as a lamb before the before the slaughter. Right? He opened not his mouth. Peace of conscience, ease of mind, tranquility of soul. This by the like, very spirit of God. My, look for in John chapter sixteen. John chapter sixteen. How does he do this? How does the spirit of God give us this? <laughs> it goes back to Christ. Have you ever contemplated what it's going to be like when you see Him for the first time in glory? Have you ever tried? We ought to try that more often. Oh, my beloved is mine and I am His. John chapter 16, verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but we cannot bear them now. Howbeit when He, the... Spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. See, think about Peter. Spirit of glory in God resteth upon you. That tranquility of mind, that peace of conscience. He will guide you into all truth for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, and that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine Listen that he will receive of mine, he will receive of mine, show it unto you. The glory of the Spirit of God will rest upon you. He will show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore I said it that he shall take of mine. Twice he says that. When God speaks twice, listen, twice as hard. And shall show it unto you. So what's this resting upon us? He's showing us the things of Christ. In a manner and fashion. Unlike any other. You see why Peter says. This is reason for happiness. For blessedness. Because the spirit of glory and of God. Resteth upon you. Reveals unto you. The things of Christ. Christ. Gives you peace of conscience, ease of mind, tranquility of soul. It's called the communion of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Oh, listen to me. Like I've said before, we speak too less of this third person of the Godhead. But he takes of Christ and shows it unto us. Yet how does the world respond to that? Well, like everything else, look back in First Peter chapter 4. He said, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. That's an amazing, blessed state. On their part, on their part, the world, those who are approaching you, he is evil spoken of. They hate the Holy Spirit of God. You remember what they told of Christ as the spirit of the devil? Remember what Christ said about the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit of God? You, you remember those texts in, in the Gospels? The, the significance of the Holy Spirit? On their part, he's evil spoken of. I'm telling you, they're going to be evil speaking of the Holy Spirit of God in greater abundance in these days. And it burdens my heart. It grieves me. It even to some extent makes me angry when I see how so many of these charismatic movements abuse the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And their part is evil spoken of. They have nothing good to say about the Holy Spirit of God working in us. They have nothing good to say about the Spirit of God. Why do you think Christ was so... Let me use the word angry just so that we can understand a little bit. Angry in a holy way. When they said something against the Spirit by which he was doing things, he said, Grieve not. Even Paul said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, but he was angry at them. The sin against the Holy Spirit. But, on your part, (laughs) I like this, on your part, for you. Glorified. Again, I've said it before, underlying the word glory or glorified in these just three or four verses, and you'll find the the, the heart of this whole thing, glorify Christ, glorify God. He said on your part he's he's glorified. What greater state of happiness could one wish? The world looks at this and says, You're you're crazy. What constitutes happiness in the world? Wealth, pleasure, riches, enjoyment. What constitutes happiness for the Christian in this present life? (sighs) Fiery trials makes partakers of Christ's sufferings, reproaches for the name of Christ because we're happy. Suffering as a Christian. You say, that's a morbid life. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. We look for a city not made of hands. I know Revelation speaks of streets of gold and all these blessings to be had in heaven. But heaven wouldn't be heaven without Christ. Peter is trying to explain to us some of the richest blessings which belong to Christians that are detrimental and deadly to the flesh but gives life unto the Spirit. And I pray that God would give us grace in these days because they are going to abound everywhere. The reproaches and fiery trials and suffering as a Christian, they're, they're upon us. I pray that when they do come upon us, that we might be able to turn to the precious Word of God, because that's how God has ordained us to be comforted, that we would be able to turn to the precious Word of God, turn to the pages of Peter, read Peter, First, first Peter chapter 4, and read these verses again and find comfort in them and find them. Embreded and grafted into our own hearts and souls, making a difference. I love Luther's expression. We'll never forget it that God has ordained that His truths triumph through our lives. What a blessing that is that we might be able to embrace these truths and not just read them on a page, but they might become literally part of our lives so that we might know more of Christ. May God give us grace that we might learn these truths. Amen. If ye were roached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You now, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. We thank You, Lord, for the blessings it entails. And yet, Lord, we pray that these truths do not remain upon the pages of this book, but Lord, the Spirit of God would reveal them, show them unto us as Christ promised. Lord, so often we rest in the promises of God in an intellectual fashion. God, I pray that You'd help us, that we like the psalmist would know the quickening power of Your Word, And that, Lord, You'd write it upon our hearts. Increase our love for Thee. Help us, dear God, we pray in all of these things to know more of Thee. For, Lord, our comfort, our rest, our peace, our joy, our happiness is all dependent upon You. If we but just look to Thee, if we just abide in You, dear God, by Your grace and mercy, what joys and rejoicings we have in the deepest distress. O oh, Lord, sweet messengers of peace, the hymn said, when they can teach me to sing more love to Thee. O oh, oh, Lord, help us, dear God, we pray, that we might know more of these truths. We look not for reproaches or fiery trials or sufferings as a Christian. Lord, but we trust that, Lord, when you divinely ordain them for our lives, when, Father, you deem it fit that we suffer these things, God, help us, Lord, to remember these truths and find comfort in Christ. May you now be honored and glorified throughout this day and week. Lord, you know what we're facing in this world. You know what's coming upon us. You know, the decisions that even I have to make here within the next few weeks, we pray for wisdom and guidance and grace. May we hear the voice of our shepherd and turn away and flee from the voice of a stranger. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.